I'm just worried about Rosie, the queen of Corona. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, let's just say for the sake of argument that mm-hmm. my name is Nick Salgo. Yeah. And my name is Justin Thompson. And y- you're listening to Hetty Green, Green Terrace, the Simpsons podcast that's about the Simpsons and everything else. Hi, I'm Justin Thompson. Yeah, and I was Nick Salgo, and I'm about to be Nick Salgo again. Yeah. Hi, guys. Uh, what's up, Hetty Green fam? How y'all doing? What's that? No way. Wait, say it again. Hey, what's up, Hetty Green fam? How y'all doing? No, I'm listening to the audience. I didn't yeah. ask you. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shh. What? And then what did they say? Oh, really? Oh, oh man. Oh, congratulations, guys. Yeah. Oh, give it up oh, for beautiful. the beautiful couple. Oh, yeah. yeah. All right. Oh, well, uh, well, welcome. Yeah, congratulations. I hope you guys are having a nice Matchbox 2022. Yeah, yeah. And uh, here we are, the fourth episode. We said we'd do it, and, and we're, God damn it, we're going to do it, you know? Gosh damn it, we're going to do it. Ah. Oh. Jeez. Yeah. Well, we're in the middle of January here in uh, Brooklyn, New York, and man, it is cold. How cold is it? It's just like so cold that all I want to do is eat sesame chicken and watch The Simpsons. Nick, that's all you have been doing. Yeah, uh, I'm still I'm a man of my word, you know. Also, before we get into it, I do want to say rest in peace, uh, Bob Saget. Yeah, very uh, tough news this week. Definitely a big figure in Mm -hmm. the comedy world and something like he was the only guy with like two hit shows at once right he was doing you know full house and america's funniest home videos he was america's tv dad for a big stretch of that you know the early 90s and he was able to kind of keep his career fresh and in tune with what young people were doing he got really raunchy Mm -hmm. at a certain point the bob saget roast on comedy central if you haven't seen that definitely watch it it's fucking hilarious yeah it's super great don't watch full house or america's funniest home videos but do watch the roast and uh his cameo in half-baked yeah he was just became such this nice figure and you know it really seems like based on all the tributes about him he just seemed like a genuinely really great guy yeah a supportive one it really touched me the the night that he died or the like the night before he died he tweeted out that you know he felt reinvigorated in his comedy Felt like he was in his 20s again, and that like got me choked up just thinking about you know the fragility of life and how you know we can have these moments of hope and everything, but we just don't know when that time's gonna be, you know. Yeah, and it's a shame he was slated to be our first guest on the show, but now we'll have to look yeah. into rescheduling. Yeah, and rest in peace, Bob. Thank rest you in for peace, all Bob. The Thanks the laughs for all the laughs. And, uh, uh, your family and friends and fans are in the thoughts of Hetty Green Terrace absolutely so and that does kind of tie into uh what we're gonna talk <laughs> we're about talk, today we're talking, about, talking souls. about souls today we're talking about bart's soul <laughs> so we are we are doing a bart episode yeah. this week in case you haven't figured that out yet yeah the thing you clicked on said bart sells his soul so that's the episode we're gonna be talking about it is season seven episode four all right should we just roll right into talking about this episode yeah, I mean, what what else are we going to do, you know? Oh, yeah, Nick, I got to ask you something. What's, what's up, man? Hey, Nick, what what you watching? Oh, man, I'm... St- <laughs> it's funny that you would ask. I took my mom on a date to see West Side Story, directed by Steven Spielberg, the other day, and my God, just wow, just such a great film. I was a little worried because it got mixed reviews, and going in, I was like, Okay, but what was cool was it wasn't really advertised that much, at least not to my demographic. And, you know, I don't really watch TV and it didn't show up in my Instagram or anything. So I really like went in fresh. I'm I'm a big fan of musicals. Yeah, Nick, you like musicals. I love musicals. I used to act in musicals in school. So West Side Story to me, like I'm very familiar with West Side Story. I would say it's the greatest musical of all time. The entire score, front to back, every song is amazing. Lots of movement in the melodies. And the counterpoint. It's Are just, you a jet guy or a shark guy? Uh, I'm I'm for peace, you know. I, I'm uh, I'm 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 all for peace. I, I I wouldn't say that I uh, side with either one. But anyway, anyway, anyway. So I'm sitting there, and at the beginning of the movie, I was starting to think like, oh, I understand why maybe people didn't like this because I'm thinking, all right, West Side Story. I already like know this 
play. I know this. You know this story. Like, why is this coming? What was the intention of making this again? And I think like halfway through the movie, it just hit me like a ton of bricks. It was like, yes, yes. You know, Spielberg, West Side Story happening right now. A million times. Yes. It's not like I didn't need a reason to re-fall in love with West Side Story, but I did, and I'm grateful for it. I, I love the the score. And if Peter Jackson can make us all fall in love with the Beatles again, which like you also don't need a, an excuse to fall in love with the Beatles, then you know what? Fuck it, Steven Spielberg. He can make the whole world fall in love with West Side Story again. Every shot was beautiful. They retold the story a little differently, and some of the songs were slightly different slight arrangements and who was singing the songs was slightly different. So it, it kept it fresh and it was very neat. I mean, just the movies just looked fucking amazing and anyone that didn't like it, I hope that you get help for whatever pain you're feeling yeah. because that movie was fucking awesome. I give it yeah. five out of five, everything bagels with all the meats of our cultural <laughs> stew on it. You know, it was just yeah. everything collaboration of just right. two giant figures in American entertainment. Yeah, Spielberg, you know? he's like America's filmmaker. Mm-hmm. It's great. And yeah. Anyway, go shit, see it with Nick's mom. That's yeah. a Nick's pick for sure. Anyway, um, yeah. What what do you bench in these days, dude? I, I bench the whole bench. You know, <laughs> you I get pick on up the, the bench. <laughs> yeah, dude. I I get on the ground and just push the whole damn thing up. You know. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to do so many Romanian deadlifts. I can lift a dead Romanian. Yeah, I want to be a member of the bench press. Just like. President Bench, like, what's what's going on? You got to show people your press card. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, oh, yeah. What, what what have you been watching? I'll say this. I haven't been watching as much in terms of movies, but I've been places. I've seen things. And I went to an arcade, and I got to play the Simpsons arcade game. Oh, wow. The one where Maggie gets kidnapped by Mr. Burns? Yeah. You could be Bart, uh, Marge, and Homer, Mart. Barge or Lisa, each of them have, you know, it's a simple side-scrolling fighting game. So you like have a jump button and like mm-hmm. an attack button. Like wasn't Marge like fight with a vacuum cleaner and Bart fights with his skateboard? Mm-hmm. That, yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. And it's hard as hell. <laughs> it's a very difficult game. All right, so I, I played the game. I went to uh, a barcade, a bar with an arcade, you know, and the games were free to play. You just tap the start button and add extra lives as if you added a coin. And I would not have beat that game <laughs> otherwise. No, uh, <laughs> or I would have spent five dollars beating that game. Yeah, yeah, it is a it is a tough one, but it's one of my favorite arcade games to play. If ever I find it, mm-hmm. I'll sit there and play it for a little while. Because I don't know if you guys listening at home know this, but um, Justin and I were pretty big fans of this show called mm-hmm. The Simpsons. Yeah, I don't know if you've heard of it. I know you just like podcasts in general, and that's what led you to us. But yeah. we're here to tell you about a little show called The Simpsons. And there's been many spinoff video games. There was a Virtual Bart. I had that on the Sega Genesis growing up. Mm-hmm. Kind of a terrible game. Yeah. But I played so much of it. And uh-huh. it's like Bart goes into the science fair and gets into a machine. And it like spins and sends him to these different realities. And you're like Bart as a pig escaping Krusty's factory. Uh, you're like a dinosaur Bart trying to i remember that yeah, yeah it was weird yeah your baby bard on a clothesline huh. but anyway the simpsons arcade game it's this really simple fighting game kind of repetitive you're just kind of fighting the same kick yeah and you're just fighting the same characters over and over there's fun things like you know you can pick up items and throw them at people the best level in the game is a dream Mm -hmm. level where you're like on clouds and fighting these weird shapes and figures and stuff and that's where it's the most fun and then at the end you rescue little maggie after beating smithers and then Mr. yeah i have a vague recollection i beat the whole game Mm -hmm. once with my brothers and it was really fun and I know you can buy it now. Is it like five hundred bucks or like a thousand bucks? Yeah, I got an ad on Instagram for like an arcade cabinet, right? Of it. So you know, once those podcast checks come rolling in, we're yeah. gonna get that. Yeah. So the... please join the Hedy Green Terrace Patreon, and <laughs> yeah. uh, it'll be your money will be put to good use. Simpsons Hit and Run, great game. Yeah, that was a big one. That was a big one. The GTA ripoff. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Anywho. Anywho, I would uh, give the Simpsons arcade game a. Two and a half donuts out of five. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sweet. Sweet. All right. So today we are going to be discussing Bart Sells His Soul. You want to take a break before we get into it? We're going to uh, be disgusting Bart Sells His Soul? We're going to be disgusting Bart Sells oh, His Soul. Sorry, guys. <laughs> uh, gross. Uh, 
All right. Enough of that. We're going to be serious now. We're going to talk about The Simpsons. Very serious show. Very serious show. And we're going to talk about it. Bart Sells His Soul, Season 7, Episode 4, debuted October 8th, 1995. And we looked up events of October 1995. And to give you a little frame of reference, on October 3rd, O.J. Simpson is found not guilty of double murder for the deaths of his former wife, Nicole Brown Simpson, and Ronald Goodman. Yeah, it's the Simpson that we don't really talk about much, uh, Uncle O.J. (laughs) Bart and Lisa kind of lost touch with him after that. Yeah, so you don't see him mentioned much on the show. This episode was directed by Wes Archer and written by Greg Daniels, who later co-created King of the Hill with Mike Judge and co-created and adapted The Office with Steve Carell. Oh, wow. The circle of writers that come from The Simpsons that you know, spawned off into all these different things. You know, we had Conan, 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 and so many others. I was noticing, you know, some of these writers, they've been there forever. Mm-hmm. Like John Beatty, he wrote that episode in season 14, but he was with the show for like the whole time. He was writing episodes in season three. Mm-hmm. We're going to pay more attention to who's writing and, you know, but, you know, it's interesting to really stop and take a look at who writes what episode mm-hmm. and what kind of humor that writer has. The further you dive into the show, the more you can appreciate the lore and reading into it and learning trivia and the things. And we'll talk about that. And we are, we're doing right. some research over here. We're doing a whole lot of work for you guys. Well, I'd say, you know, like not to veer off topic too much, but when it came to like Seinfeld, mm-hmm. you know, you would know if it was like a Larry David and Jerry Seinfeld episode or a Larry Charles episode, those ones would stick out the most. Usually it'd be like the most funny. But with The Simpsons, I find that it's kind of more of like a, nice canvas moving mm-hmm. on an even keel every episode's like pretty damn good and you might notice there's some writers that maybe knock it out of the park a little bit more but there's like a general just like it's very funny and you can tell that for the most part these episodes seem to be a collaborative effort where they sit around a room and they're like okay this joke is funny let's put it on this episode all right, so this episode was written by Greg Daniels, who was active on the show season five through nine as a writer and producer. He also wrote segments for Treehouse of Horror 4 and 5, Lisa's Wedding, 22 short films about Springfield, and Secrets of a Successful Marriage. <laughs> secrets marriage. of a Secrets of a Successful Marriage. All great episodes. Well, they're all great. Yeah, they're all great. They're all, all, the, all of them are great. You know, and maybe people don't know. Maybe people love The Office, but they didn't know that he wrote for the show. So we want to give a shout out to all the writers. Yeah. Because they're just, they're, they're responsible for all the joy and happiness felt throughout the years. You want to take care of the chalkboard and couch All right, gag? sure. We'll get into that. The chalkboard says, I'm not a lean, mean, spitting machine. Reference to the Foreman Grill commercials, famous in the 90s. Couch gag. I guarantee it. <laughs> couch gag for this one has the simpsons family driving around the living room in little shriner cars wearing the fez caps yeah i don't really know what's going on over there i had no idea what this was either so i looked it up uh shriner cars this is a uh, a thing the shriner organization was known for shriners were a subgroup from freemasons a charitable organization they started and they have a bunch of children's hospitals and they will appear they'll drive these cars in parades and it's there's really no explanation for it other than it's just something they do to entertain kids right they're a secret society very secretive but they have these fun little go-karts the Simpson family drives around and then lines themselves up in their usual order in the little cars wearing fast caps stone cutters freemasons what do they know that we don't so anyway so the episode begins we get a shot of the church the first scenes at church and there's a sign on the church says no shoes, no shirt, no salvation. Bart's at the door handing out hymns, and he says, get them while they're holy. Get your hymns here straight from God's brain to your mouth. And then Revlin Lovejoy gets up and says, today's hymn will be In the Garden of Eden by Iron Butterfly. And the song starts, the organ player starts playing. do, 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 do. And they get the whole church is singing. Everyone's in there. We see like Kent Brockman's in there. The the everyone is yeah. You see packed house. Everyone's in the church and they're all singing Inagata Davida. No one's fighting it. They're all Mm -hmm. singing it. And for they do all seventeen minutes. And we see Homer and Marge and they're looking all like their hair is like all fuzzy. We don't. 
they're, they're just like tired from singing the song and homer says hey march remember when we used to make out to this hymn <laughs> and marge goes that her little her little uh homie laugh like oh homer's so cute the song Inagata Devita, written by Iron Butterfly, released in 1968. It's in the Garden of Eden, but he sings Inagata Devita. Right. Because... And it's called Inagata Devita? That's the official title is Inagata Devita. Right. And it's 17 minutes long. The radio edit's like three minutes. Right. They do this whole thing. and They hold up candles during the uh, organ solo. Mm-hmm. Song ends. The old lady playing the organ passes out. Her head hits the organ. Mm-hmm. Lovejoy uh, says... Wait a minute, this sounds like rock and or roll. <laughs> Great line. One of his most iconic lines. Oh, uh, yeah. So then we cut. They're in the Sunday school room. Sunday. <laughs> Sunday. What, are you from down south? Hell yeah, y'all. Are yeah, you from down under? <laughs> yeah, the land down under. South Carolina. <laughs> that's not a knife. Hey, y'all, come on, man. That's not a knife. <laughs> Revelyn Lovejoy is trying to get one of the children to fess up who who was the one that handed out that hymn, uh, and he has them reciting uh, verses from the Bible. And it's, if I withhold the truth, may I go straight to hell, where I will eat naught but burning hot coals and drink naught but burning hot cola, where fiery demons will punch me in the back, where my soul will be chopped into confetti and shown upon a parade of murderers and single mothers, where my tongue will be torn out by ravenous birds. And then Melhouse looks out the window and he sees a crow look right at him. Ah! And he goes, ah, Bart did it. That, that Bart, Bart right, right there. <laughs> and, and uh, uh, yeah, Melhouse, you did the right thing. Bart, come with me for punishment. So yeah, Reverend Lovejoy is bringing Bart away. And just as he's about to leave the room, he turns around, he grabs Mel yeah. and goes, you too, snitchy. Great comedic timing. Um, so then their punishment is they have to clean the, the organ pipes. Of all, they have to clean all of the pipes of the organ that they've befouled with their popular music. They're kind of sitting there slacking off. And Bart asks Milhouse why he snitched on him. Milhouse, uh, he's like, I didn't want birds pecking at my soul forever. Right. And and then Bart starts to, they start to get into it, talking about the concept of a soul. And Bart mm-hmm. says that he doesn't believe that. Yeah, he says it's soul. just something that was made up to scare them, like the Boogeyman or Michael Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> so this is season seven. Michael Jackson was a guest voice on The Simpsons in season three, episode one, Stark Raving Dad. That episode has since been taken out of syndication and is not available on Disney+. Plus. Yeah. And luckily for us, you know, it was a pretty good episode, but, you know, yeah. If the creators of the show, uh, the people who made it, are happy with that call, we have to respect that, too. Yeah. So they're getting into it, talking about how uh, yeah. Bart says, you don't have a soul. I don't have a soul. There's no such thing as a soul. Millhouse says, if you're so sure about that, then why don't you sell it to me? And Bart says, how much you got? Five bucks. All right. And they say deal. And then Bart pulls out a piece of stationery with the church's name on it. And he just writes Bart Simpson's soul on it. Hands it over to Millhouse. Millhouse gives him five bucks. They shake on it. Millhouse says, every religion says there's a soul. Why would they lie? What would they have to gain? And then the next room we see Lovejoy counting the donations and tithes <laughs> from the baskets. Kind of a snarky little thing here. So it's just funny, the juxtaposition of Bart taking money from Millhouse for his soul. And at the same time, this church is also, you know, churches are. Well, in the Simpsons and religion, the Simpsons and anything, you know, they don't necessarily, they're not there to like poke fun at things or just to parody them, just to kind of put them down. And it's more of a social commentary. You know, what were you saying to me about the Pope? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So in the early nineties, the Simpsons was kind of controversial for its time. And, a lot of Republicans and news media and parents were upset about it. The Bush family said it was the stupidest thing they'd seen on TV. And people who were railing against it clearly really didn't watch it. I know when I was a kid personally, my mom didn't like us watching it because they made fun of church or religion or Jesus. And they're really not poking fun at it. And then years later in 2010, Pope Benedict XVI actually blessed the Simpsons and declared they're Catholic and encouraged families to watch it because they actually take their kids to church and pray before meals. Yeah. And they're they're like pretty much the only family on TV that really does that. Especially then. Maybe now it's a little different. 
the backwards uh, reception of the Simpsons. But then again, I guess anyone that would have said that, you know, Simpsons was bad. It was a bad commentary on society and religion. They have a backwards view. I'd probably just bad everything. Oh, yeah. Uh, my know. parents were cool and they let me watch the Simpsons. I did have a lot of friends that their parents didn't want them watching the Simpsons. And I was always kind of like, really? Like, that's kind of weird. My family, we all watched it together and always it's these great messages. And, you know, there are episodes that are based around religion, but the theme at the end is never like, fuck religion. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know what? You do you and I do me and that's okay. And that's like what the show's about. It's really coming to grips with all these realities and things that we can't change. Right. And it's also just funny to think about how our cultural idea of the media and how we view it changed that much in, you know, within 20 years going from, oh, look at this family, just them being in church and having jokes in a church was right up too offensive for some people. Mm-hmm. And then now years later, it's like, no, this is actually people had taken the time and to appreciate the message there. And that's what we talk about so much. Like what makes a great episode? It's because it's going to be funny, but also you want it to have a a good story that you can connect to. Right. You know, and they show Reverend Lovejoy counting the money, which, you know, you could argue maybe is like a negative view of the church, but I think we can all agree that churches should pay taxes, right? Yeah. yeah. I think that's what I was trying to get at. Like agree, you know, Yeah, they shouldn't be tax exempt. Catholic Church may say, oh, yeah, the Simpsons, they're Catholic, but officially they are Presby-Lutheran. Oh, uh, that's what the, it is? Yeah. Mm. Just so you know. I mean, Reverend, Love, Reverend Lovejoy is like, what a chill dude, you know? Yeah, great voice, great character. All right, on to the next scene. Dr. Hibbert's driving around asking his family where they should go eat. They suggest things like the spaghetti laboratory, face stuffers, Professor VJ Cornucopias. Fantastic food magorium and great American steakery. <laughs> and then uh, he says, how about this place? Moe's. And they go to Moe's thinking that Moe's is a family restaurant. And then they go in and Moe says, like, yeah, just pull up some stools to the pool table. Yeah. And, and they end up leaving. Yeah. Barney's like passed out on the bar and they're like, oh, I thought this was a family place. And yeah, 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 they, yeah. Hibbert's little girl says it smells like tinkle. Mm-hmm. And then he says, uh, we'll just go to the cheesecake depository. <laughs> uh, Texas cheesecake depository. Just yeah. say it one more time. We'll just go to the Texas cheesecake depository. The Texas cheesecake suppository? Suppos- Does he say deposit? Suppository? It, it's depository. So like- then Dr. Hibbert says, we'll just go to the Texas cheesecake suppository. Depository. Depository? Like a book depository. I said depository. <laughs> that time you still said suppository. No, I said it the first time. <laughs> I think we got it in there somewhere. At one point or another, I said it the right way. Yeah, all right. Leave it all in. I want I want the people to hear. Moe's like, everybody's going to family restaurants these days. Some's nobody wants to hang out in a dank pit no more. And then Carl says, you're not thinking of getting rid of the dank, Mo. And he said, eh, maybe I am. But Mo, the dank. The dank. Mo decides to turn the tavern into a family restaurant to make more money. He says, it's a place where you wouldn't be ashamed to bring your family. And Homer's like, I'm not ashamed. And he pulls Maggie out from under the bar. <laughs> and Mo's like, hey, put a coaster under that. <laughs> uh, so then we cut to... We're back at the Simpsons house. Bart pulls out a package. He has a package of dino sponges and it says dampen me for dinosaur terror. So if any of you kind of remember this from when you were a kid, those sponge dinosaurs that you like make them wet and they expand and they get yeah. bigger. Hell yeah, dude. Those mm-hmm. are all. What, what what happened to those? Do kids today even have those? I think they just like watch videos of people doing it on Yeah, that's YouTube. right. They just see people opening them on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. So Bart throws it on the ground and he hides around the corner with the water hose and he calls Lisa over. And he, he says, hey, Lisa, I have a surprise for you. And Lisa comes out and she says, oh, boy, what is it? And Bart has a fantasy. He sprays the dinosaur and it becomes as big as a T-Rex. It comes to life. life. It comes to life and it picks up Lisa, starts biting her. And she says, ah, oh, no, it's dripping funny smelling water all over me. And then Bart's laughing, and then he turns the corner and sprays the hose on it. But then all that happens is the little sponge just drifts and sinks down into the gutter. 
Right. Pretty great little bit here. And then Lisa asks Bart, where do you get the money for that dinosaur? And he says that he sold his soul to Millhouse. Yeah. He says he spent five. He says he wasted five bucks on the dino sponges. And that's exactly how much he got from Millhouse. Mm-hmm. Hey, man, I don't know about you, but if I sold my soul, how much, how much money are you going to ask for if you're selling your soul? I've definitely sold my soul for like around a hundred bucks on several occasions. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to say I'm going to need at least like 70, 75, you know, to yeah. make it worth. And for those about to rock, we salute you. Lisa says, how can you do that? Your soul is the most valuable part of you. A symbol for everything fine inside of us. Bart's just like, oh, poor gullible Lisa. I'll keep my crappy sponges. Thanks. And now Bart goes up to his room. He tries to pet the dog, Santa's little helper, and the dog growls at him. And he turns and he tries to pet Snowball too, the cat, and she hisses at him. Mm-hmm. So he's starting to realize that maybe there might be something to this whole soul thing. Yeah. The prank backfires. The pets hate him. And next he's going into the quickie mart and the automatic door doesn't open up for him. when he Right. He just smacks his face on the door. And then he, he finally gets inside with uh, Jimbo and all of them. Yeah, Jimbo and the gang, they're putting their breath onto the ice cream display case and writing in it. So then Bart leans over to the counter and he tries to breathe on it. And then nothing happens. No fog shows up on the glass. Uh, so more signs that Bart might have actually sold his soul. You know, I had a moment the other day that made me feel like I didn't have a soul. <laughs> yeah, you want to you wanna tell us about that moment? Yeah, I was walking down the street to grab some pots, you know. What kind of pot? <laughs> clay pots for my little plants, you know. You could say we're fans of pot on the show. Yeah. So I go down to the hardware store, grab a potting soil, these little pots. Then, you know, got them in the little canvas bag and I'm walking down the street it's kind of busy and there's this guy walking in the same direction a couple feet in front of me kind of at the same pace i am and i just hear him rip the loudest nastiest fart i've ever heard i had headphones on i was listening to music and i heard it over that it was then i hear another one and i'm like what the fuck this guy just shit his pants on the street and then a third one and i just like juke to the side i'm like i gotta pass this guy and get around him i'm not breathing this in i have rights god damn it and as i try and bolt to the side the bag swings and hits against the bike rack and i hear the pots break in the bag oh man yeah any little thing could just throw us off and it's up to us to get back on again and now i gotta glue these pots back together All right, now we're back at Moe's, and he's reading a book titled Your Gimmicky Restaurant by Vinnegan and Fuddrucker. <laughs> yeah, they're discussing names for the restaurant. Moe decides he's going to call it Uncle Moe's Family Feedback. That's and, right. And then they've he's decided that's going to be the name. He gets the, the flash fryer delivered. I got it used from the Navy. You can flash fry a buffalo in 40 seconds. Nomer says, 40 seconds? But I want it now. So then we go next scene. We see uh, they're watching Bart and Lisa are watching Itchy and Scratchy. I think this might be the first time we're talking about Itchy and Scratchy on uh, Hetty Green Terrace. Oh my god, I think we are. This is the first. Yeah, I don't know. We've mentioned it, but we there hasn't been a full cartoon that they've sat down that we've discussed. So yet. I mentioned my cat Otter before, but I do have a cat named Scratchy. But we'll talk more about him when we get into an Itchy and Scratchy episode when we have him as a guest. But so, I just want my little guy. Yeah, he's really cute. We're gonna have to. We'll post a photo of him on the gram. So look us up at, at Hetty Green Terrace and you can see this guy. <laughs> yeah. Itchy and Scratchy. The episode is called Skinless in Seattle. We see the Seattle skyline. The with, Space Needle. And then Scratchy's walking down the street. He's really bouncing around. He's got a bouquet of roses and a note that says, meet me at the Space Needle. Mm-hmm. And then walks into the spot beside it. Then up on the top of the needle, Itchy is up there. And beside him is a sign that says, do not throw pennies. He like pulls, he like pulls a, a penny out of his little loafers and then he chucks it down the side as the penny's rushing down and gaining speed. Abe Lincoln on the coin reacts and flames start coming off the back of it. And then it hits the ground and misses scratchy. So that doesn't work. And then, you know, itchy's like, and you know, snaps fingers. Mm-hmm. Right. And then he, uh, he tries to grab all these, um, 
minifigures of the space needle, space. throw the th- throw them down towards Scratchy, but they just are fall arranging around him in a heart. Scratchy gets even more like, <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> yeah. After the, the uh, souvenirs, more miss. in love now. And then, uh, you know, Itchy gets another idea, snaps his fingers. The, the, I think the, the music is like, dun, dun, dun. you know, yeah, you see him sawing, he's sawing the, the space needle until Scratchy it, it, looks up and bam, the needle goes, pokes him in the eye. And this is Scratchy's sounds. He goes, huh? ah! <laughs> you know, yeah, and then the and, camera pulls back and you see like half of the needle sticking up and he's running around. Yeah. And it just pokes him right in the eye and he's just running around. Oh, so funny. And yeah. Lisa, and just Lisa's laughing. Yeah. I will say, by the way, this is a great itchy and scratchy. I'm going to give it five donuts. <laughs> this itchy and scratchy episode, five donuts. Yeah. Lisa's yeah. laughing her head off and Bart says, I know that's funny. I'm just not laughing. Right. And Lisa says, maybe we need to try some other stuff. Mm-hmm. So then we see them. They're in the main hallway when you first walk in and they're hiding in the closet and they they put a skateboard out. Homer walks in onto the scene. He goes, oh, do, do, do. Well, I'm just a walking. And then he slips on the skateboard. His head goes in between like the rails on the banister on the, what would you call those things? The, just the stair rail. The stair rail. Like, yeah. He gets stuck and he's like, oh, oh. And he's like, help, I'm stuck. Somebody help. And then, and then Santa's little helper comes and starts biting his ass. And he's like, Oh, who's biting me? (laughs) (laughs) And Bart isn't laughing, you know, and this is a very funny Homer moment. I think this is when Bart really knows it's serious. Yeah, yeah, he's starting to get really worried here. So he goes back to Millhouse and she says he's out back uh, with a piece of paper. He runs around the back of the house and then, you know. Wait, did we, what about the the dream? Oh, that comes up later. Lisa says, Laughter is the language of well, the soul. Pablo Neruda says that laughter is the language of the soul. And Bart says, I'm familiar with the work of Pablo Neruda, <laughs> who is a Chilean poet, by the way. No way would he actually be familiar. It just shows the depth of reference that the writers are going to pull from. And, you know, Bart's just really uh, has to protect himself at all times. Mm-hmm. So back at Millhouse's house millhouse's house millhouse's house he runs around and then millhouse is like oh well you want to buy it back 50 bucks who's stupid now right and he's playing with um army men and a little tank i guess (laughs) and he's like the ayatollahs involved in his story he's just like very weird (laughs) being super weird he has a tank rolling over bart's soul Next, the family's watching TV, and the commercial for Uncle Moe's Family Food Bag comes on. Mm-hmm. And at the end, he gives his guarantee. If I'm not smiling with your chat cubs, your meal's on me, Uncle Moe. It's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. And Homer's like, sounds good. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, next, we have a little tidbit where Bart's upstairs, kind of sulking in his bed, and Marge comes in. She gives him a hug and says, says she knows... She knows a mother always knows what's going on with her son. And yeah, absolutely. And she says it feels like something's missing. And he's like, like a soul? And she's like, no, you're not a monster. Huh. Which is just a nice little moment. You know, we don't get a lot of Marge in this episode. So I'm glad when they bring her in, mm-hmm. she does have a, a tender moment. To, yeah, remind him Bart isn't who he thinks he is. He, You know, he kind of is this prankster, badass kid. Mm-hmm. And he's like, whatever. Who? What's a soul? Who needs it? And now he's just been humbled. And he's like, all right. Right. Now we're getting into the dream sequence. Uh, that night, Bart has a dream. In his dream, the sky is green. The grass is pink. He sees all his uh, classmates out there playing on the playground. And each of them is playing with their soul. It's just like a copy of themselves that is blue. And it's a really cool looking little dream sequence. And then Sherry and Terry are there with their souls. And they're doing double jump rope and singing a little song, making fun of Bart for selling a soul. We also got Ralph on a seesaw with himself. And then Nelson says, no, so, huh? Well, don't worry. I'm still behind you. And then pushes Bart. And then Bart trips over Ralph's soul, who was kneeling down behind him. Mm-hmm. Great bit. Yeah. It is a really interesting little bit. And it ends with them all getting on rowboats with their souls. And, you know, they each have a row. And Bart has to try and row the boat all on his own. And he can't. He 
He's just spinning in circles. Yeah, and the other kids are like going off to Emerald City. Looks like the Wizard mm-hmm. of like Oz. And at the end of the rhyme, the twins say, "Bart, it's time to end this dream, and don't forget the standard scream." Ah! He wakes up yeah! screaming in bed. Right. I mean, this episode is just so deep, and it's something we can all relate to. Just feeling like we're the ones, mm-hmm. you know, going in one direction, but by ourselves, we're moving in circles, not really getting anywhere. You know, everyone can kind of relate to all these things. It's like, it's nice for The Simpsons to make it something we can watch and laugh about. Because yeah. it can be pretty serious for a lot of people, you know? Yeah, absolutely. You know, he, he our boy's down. He's not really doing so hot. And it can be depressing. And life can knock you on your ass. And there'll be days where everything goes wrong. And it just feels like nothing is working. And you feel, you know, worthless. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But... Ultimately, well, we're gonna see where it goes. We're gonna see. Mm. We're gonna see what happens. And they got a feeling they got something up their sleeve. They got something warm for you. Yeah, it's a great little dream sequence. Next, now uh, we're finally at Moe's family feed bag. The Simpsons are arriving there to eat. He's got the whole place redecorated. Tons of new booths and tables, and the walls have goofy, yeah, stuff so, all over so them. So Marge, so Marge says. An alligator with sunglasses? Now I've seen everything. And street signs on the wall? <laughs> Whatever. Homer's like, wow, that's Mo, the guy from the ad. And then Mo's just like, ah, hey, Homer. And he goes, he knows my name. <laughs> so now we see a ton of the characters of Springfield are in there. The restaurant's super busy. Ned's there with his whole family. And says, Rod, it's your birthday. You can get whatever you want. So he orders the million-dollar birthday fries. An alarm goes off, and then Mo comes out with sparklers and a basket of fries on his head, and he's doing a little dance singing. Here you go. Here I am, Uncle Mo. Thank you, ma'am. This will be a treat. Uncle Mo, here I am while you eat. Mm-hmm. And then he like, he's like, all right, take the fries off of my head. It's hot. Yeah, well, we start to see Mo. He's clearly in over his head, literally, with fries on his head. Like, how can you keep this up? Yeah, and it's just this restaurant is you know goofy tacky like place and it they modeled it after the Chili's, but it could easily be any of these other chain restaurants you know like a tgi fridays fuddruckers bennigan's applebee's all of our favorite places the best restaurants mm-hmm. yeah so we start to see Bo kind of unravel and then the simpsons are sitting down to dinner there looking at the menu trying to decide what to order and a couple of items they discuss are the southwestern pizza fingers and then marge says maybe she'll have the the guilt-free steak fish fillets but mo says no you should have mo's hobo chicken chili i start with the best part the neck and then i add secret hobo spices and Marge says, ooh, try bien. <laughs> and on the back uh in the background there's a sign that says today's specials ranchy wingy thingies and amtrak style hot dogs <laughs> yeah uncle mo's fun place yeah and before they eat lisa's saying a prayer she says bless everyone's soul homer's soul you know maggie's soul everybody but bart and bart can't take it anymore he throws a roll at her and he says i can't take it anymore i want my soul and i want it now <laughs> he run he runs out of the restaurant and homer says wait you didn't finish your spaghetti and mo balls and then he his brain talks to him and says, Silence, you fool. It could be ours. And Homer then just starts eating Bart's food with a mouthful of spaghetti. And Mo goes, Run, boy. Run, run for your life, boy. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, yeah, yeah. that's just such a Homer with food in his mouth yelling. It's so funny. Yeah, it's pretty great. It's really serious, but. Everything is still, you know, kind of played for a laugh. Right. You know, this is the part of the episode where Bart's, you know, just really out there trying to get it done. He's running around. He goes, first Bart goes over to Millhouse's place again to try and convince him to give him the soul. But then he opens the door and he sees a man in what looks like a space suit. And Bart is reflected in the gold visor. This, yeah. this is a reference to the movie E.T. Mm-hmm. He says that uh, Millhouse's house is being sprayed for potato bugs. Yeah. He's at his, he's at his grandmother's while his house gets sprayed for potato bugs. It's this guy. Yeah. He's a, this guy, I don't know if he has a name, but that voice shows up a lot on The Simpsons. Yeah. And he says, when, when Millhouse left, did you notice if he was carrying a piece of paper? And the guy says, oh, yeah, you don't forget a thing like that. 
Yeah, and it's just funny because the camera zooms out and then you see that it's covered in the big fumigation tent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now we're back at Moe's. Welcome to Moe's. <laughs> Here I am. Thank you, ma'am. So Moe is starting to get a bit. It's it's starting to get too much for him. He's yeah, it's realizing. starting to get to him. The twins, Sherry and Terry, are there with their family and the alarm goes off again. He comes out, does his little song once more. They say, now do it for Terry. And he's like, wait, it's your birthday too? And they're like, yeah, we're twins. Nick, as a twin yourself, did you ever make your family like sing happy birthday twice? Uh, no, I never. I I never got my own happy birthday song. They would always say Nick and Tom. Thanks for reminding me, man. <laughs> oh, no, dude. Yeah, I just yeah, thought. Sore spot. Sorry, man. I thought you could shed some light. No, on yeah. To the I own... don't think that we ever. No, because that would have just been weird. Like, okay, everybody, like, focus on Nick now. No, it was like Nick and Tom's birthday party. Yeah, it was always Nick and Tom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this seems totally unrealistic. Well, Sherry and Terry are, like, they're, they're like, bossy bitches, you know? Mm-hmm. They're not, like, very nice. They've never really been nice. They've always kind of been gossipy and then, like, you know, ooh, we heard that you're, like, ooh, you know? Like, so it would make sense. You know, me and Tom, we were fucking cool. We were like, if Mo came out and did that, we'd be like, thanks so much, Mo, for the birthday prize. All right. Well, I know where I'm taking you next time you have a birthday. (laughs) (laughs) I can't wait. All right. And then he kind of does the song a little half-assed. Yeah. Hey, I'm Uncle Mo. Here I am. And then another kid hands Mo a drawing, and it says Mr. Stinky. And he's like, you got the stink lines and everything. (laughs) And then he goes over uh, to Snake and... The girl he's on a date with, and he's like, the son says, if, if I don't smile, you eat for free. If you don't smile, I eat for free. Yeah, and he points to the sign with Mo that says, if I don't smile, you eat for free. And he's like, come on, Shoshana, let's go. <laughs> Bye. Yeah, and this is a reference to, at the time, Seinfeld was dating a woman named Shoshana, so they just thought it was a funny name. And, you know, Seinfeld dated a teenager that was, you know, he was... Seinfeld dated Homer a woman. Homer Simpson's a little cooler than Jerry Seinfeld. We'll just put it that way. Homer Simpson's a lot cooler than Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah, I was I was saying a little like like hyperbole. Yeah. You know? All right. Yeah. So Jerry Seinfeld, you know, he was dating a woman twenty one years younger than him in ninety five. Well, back to it. Back to this good show called The Simpsons. Yeah, you know? good show, The Simpsons. Then it's the little girl, mm-hmm. and she says, "Hunky Mo, my Sony's too cold. My teeth hurt." And he says, your teeth, your teeth hurt. Well, that's too friggin' bad. I'll tell you, we can stick that Sony too. And that's when everybody just gets up. Like, oh, that you see the Flanders family. And one of the kids is, ow, my freaking ears. <laughs> yeah. Ned says, let's go, dear. We'd expect that type of language out of Denny's, but not here. <laughs> and the restaurant just clears out. So we mm. see Uncle Mo's family feedback literally exists in this one night and one night only. And everyone's there, and it clear it clears out, yeah, and that's leaves. the end of the restaurant. Cool, like I like uh, movies and shit that you know it's yeah. like all takes place in one night, you know. Well, that leads right into the next scene. You know, Bart uh, has a map, and he says, "All right, Millhouse's grandmother lives on 257th Street, and I'm on Third, and a uh, street sweeper is rolling by, and all of this is a reference to After Hours, the Scorsese movie from 1985." If you haven't seen it, check it out. It's one of his slept on hits. It's a kind of surreal comedy. It takes place in one night. This guy is out in New York and all this wild stuff's happening. And he's just like, I'm just trying to get home. And everything's going wrong and he can't make it home. So Bart's having this experience. A street sweeper runs over his bike and then it looks cleaner. And he's like, finally, a little luck. And then it breaks into a bunch of pieces. The man driving the street sweeper crashes it down into the third street subway station. And he's like laughing the whole way. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah just a great weird bizarre new york uh scene and no that's yeah that's it sometimes springfield can be anywhere and, and this is the geography of springfield is one of the funniest parts it's always it's always changing mm-hmm. how big the city is where everybody lives mm-hmm. uh where the power plant is where Moe's is the quickie mart and we see chief wiggum uh riding around with ralph presumably they just left the restaurant as well and he stops because there's a guy on the street and he's trying to talk some sense into this raving lunatic and while wow, wiggum's talking to this guy who's speaking gibberish 
And he's like, huh? Uh-huh. Who's been stealing your thoughts? And Bart is trying to talk to Ralph and buy his soul. And he's like, I just need a soul. Wiggum comes back and shines a flashlight right in Bart's eyes. They get really narrow like a cat's and he hisses and runs away. Right, which might be like a reference to a Twilight Zone there or something, you know. Probably. Yeah, they, they reference the Twilight Zone quite a bit throughout the show. Yeah, who knows what's happening. Uh, there is a funny deleted scene where instead of gibberish, you just hear the lunatic going on for two minutes about who's been stealing his thoughts and everything that they cut out and replaced with gibberish in that episode. Yeah, some, some kind of heady concepts mm-hmm. that, that, you know, aren't necessarily just half-baked uh, uh, gibberish. It was all improvised by Dan Castellaneta. Oh, really? That was Castellaneta? Uh, I think so. All right. So back at Moe's, you see he has guys are there already taking out all the furniture and decorations. He says, take it all. And they're like, well, you might want to keep the fire extinguishers. And he's like, nah, too many bad memories. <laughs> you know, they remind him that he still has them and they're trying to make him feel better, but they make him feel worse. And then Bart finally makes it over to Millhouse's grandma's place and she's answering the door. A caller at this hour? You dial 9-1. And when I say so, dial 1 again. Millhouse talks to Bart and he says, Bart, I can't play now. It's 2 a.m. Bart's looking for his soul. Yeah, Bart's just trying to get his soul back. And then <laughs> Milhouse's dad says, Oh, just give him back his soul. I got work in the morning. And then Milhouse says he doesn't have it because he traded it to comic book guy for some Alf pogs. <laughs> Look, remember Alf? He's back in pog form. Yeah. Pogs, for you youngsters, they were a fad in the 90s. These little round coin sized cardboard mm-hmm. pieces with different characters and things on them. Apparently, Pog comes from pineapple orange guava drink, and the caps became a collectible item, and then Pogs spun off to their own thing in the 90s. And that's everything you need to know about Pogs. Do you like Pog Rock? <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty big into um, Rush. All right, now we're outside the Android's dungeon and baseball card shop. The sun's coming up. Bart's asleep outside waiting for a comic book guy to get there. Yeah, he's really desperate. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting. Like, we see just... We just see him get more and more desperate for it. And, you know, it start it starts as this thing that he's like, eh. Yeah. And then it just becomes this whole thing. Yeah. He's just been on this whole journey where he like lost himself completely and mm-hmm. just will do anything to get it back. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, he asked him for, he asked comic book guy for the soul. And he said uh, that he found a buyer that was, quite interested in that particular item bart you know he's back home and he's he's lot you know he's, he's fully, crying now yeah he's fully he's, he's broken said, and it's just this really like sweet moment he says i'm afraid some weirdo's got my soul and i don't know what they're doing to it you know and like wow it's just like he, he literally has no idea where he is mm-hmm. who he is you know he's really lost it he and, prays are you there god it's me bart simpson while he's pleading with God to get his soul back, the paper falls down and it lands on his bed. Yeah. It's all crumbled up and he turns around and it's Lisa. And he says, Lisa, you bought this? You don't have any change in your piggy bank. <laughs> and she says, not the ones you know about. Right. She says, uh, some, you know, people believe you have to earn your soul through suffering and thought and prayer like you did last night, Bart. And then Bart just shoves the piece of paper in his mouth and eats it right away. And then I guess he gets his soul back after that but yeah you know it's this interesting thing you know kind of a tale as old as time this losing yourself and finding yourself again um and you know i guess on on the you come out a better person on the other side yeah he traded his soul and he didn't even learn how to play guitar like really sick (laughs) (laughs) yeah next time you trade your soul make sure you get better at guitar yeah and this idea of um not valuing your spiritual self and not honoring that and just prizing earthly possessions is, you know, just a path to uh, dissatisfaction. Being true to yourself, which is something we're all working on, you know? Yeah. And it's great. And in a way, Mo kind of loses his self, you know, like he, he is trying to change the business up to be like one of these trendy chain restaurants just to make more money. And in that, like he does a, so many things wrong and he overextends himself and he gets burned out immediately and it doesn't work. The moral here is, is it just be authentic and be yourself? Yeah. 
Yeah, it's pretty wild. It's a it's a really great episode. It's just you know about just virtue of the human spirit, just yeah. all that stuff. Just, yeah, it's a really great one. One of my favorites that we've covered so far. There's one final uh, clip. Where I guess this would be after that last commercial break before the credits. You see Bart. You know, it's later at night. He's curled in bed with Santa's little helper and the cat cuddled up next to him again. And he falls back. He's asleep and he goes back to that dream where all the kids are playing with their souls. And he gets in the boat and he's paddling towards the Emerald City. They see Martin and his soul paddling and they go over and tip the boat and then paddle on <laughs> towards the yeah, sunset. He's, he's himself again. Mm-hmm. And that, yeah, that's the thing about Bart is he's always going to be kind of he wants to be a badass. He wants to do all these things. He doesn't hang out with Jimbo and the bullies, but he he almost in a way looks up to them. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, but it, you know, and I think he's he's he always tries to kind of impress them and you know seem cool, and he puts a lot of pressure on himself to be cool. Yeah, absolutely. That's the thing. I like I said it before. I think Bart's the coolest kid because he doesn't think he's the coolest kid. Like all of us, he's trying. He still gets picked on. He still has failures and he has ways he's underappreciated and you know he gets envious yeah. of his sister for the praise and accomplishments she achieves and he gets down about himself about many things yeah it's really he uh, gets down but at the end well, of the day i i think you know every simpsons character for every episode there's they step outside their comfort zone and they discover this new arena of thinking and being and kind of deciding if that's something that's going to work for them or if they need to kind of reel it in a little bit. Yeah. It, uh, if I could, if that, does that make sense? Like it's, if I could make it in such a vague term, they try know, out like different they try things out different and things different ways and... to live. And ultimately, yeah. Again, since it is yeah. that thing we talk about, Bart's every never... episode resets at the end, they go back to like the, the normal, the stasis, they, they learn lessons, but overall, right. They're, they're going to be okay, and they'll be who they were. I don't think that with. Bart is going to end up in those how he gets fantasized. Like, there's that time where he fantasizes being, like, a male stripper mm-hmm. or, like, you know, just anything kind of raunchy. I think he's going to grow up and be, like, a really successful person that invents a show called The Simpsons, you know? I think that he's just – he he's down on himself, so mm-hmm. he thinks that he's just going to be the, the badass and the vigilante but uh, yeah, so Bart is actually modeled after Matt Groening, who yeah. created the show. People ask Matt, well, how, where did you come up with the names of the family? Well, his dad was named Homer. His mom was named Marge. His sister, Lisa. And, and his other sister, Maggie. Yeah. And but he, Bart, Bart is Matt. Yeah, there you go. And they're both left-handed. So I think that Bart, he puts pressure on himself. He tries to be badass. It, but he kind of like learns you, you know he, he's always going to get grounded by these lessons and do the right thing in the end yeah so it's a great episode i think we should just move right on and give it a final little rating and review you want to go first yeah five out of five donuts bart flavored donuts mm-hmm. like a donut with like peeps on the top but it's bart's head mm-hmm. you know that's what the donut would be i didn't have five of those all right let's see perfect episode yeah what else can you say i i totally agree i'm gonna give it an episode score of five out of five donuts and these are just like full-on chocolate glazed donuts Mm -hmm. five great delicious you know something classic about it but something really sweet and rich about it too yeah well it's got let's talk about all the reasons why what makes it so great so We've got iconic moments from Reverend Lovejoy and mm-hmm. arguably iconic moments from Mo. Two great side characters. We've got a really great itchy and scratchy episode. Great itchy it. and scratchy. There's a really fun opening like scene at the church with Inagata de Vida. That's a really fun scene. And then, you know, then thematically beautiful, you know, like the best Simpsons episodes. It's almost like feels it's a tale as old as time. It feels like you're like watching a Greek myth or something. It's just mm-hmm. like, so the lesson is just so there. Yeah. They, and again, they pull from so many vast references, you know, talking about poetry, yeah, lots of great pop spirituality and yeah. And they really do, you know, make you think about spirit, spirituality aside from religion. And no matter, you know, what you believe you are, it's like, what is it in you that is the, what drives the human spirit? You know, what makes you, you and causes you to, you know, seek 
out the things you do in life, uh, being curious or creative or adventurous or passionate. And it can come in many ways. Yeah, absolutely. All right. I've got one more thing I wanted to do. Okay. Uh, before we get into our listener emails. So when I was looking up research on this episode, I saw that this episode is notable for featuring the seven deadly sins. So I'm going to go through this list and I want you to try and tell me which moment in the episode they're referring to. Okay. All right. Uh, let's see. We'll start with an easier one. Greed. Reverend Lovejoy with the collection plates. Uh huh. Anything else? I don't know, five bucks for the soul. Yeah, and then when, you know, and I'd say it's not on here, but also when he charges him 50, you know, increasing the price. Right. But All right, so next we got Wrath. Wrath. When uh, Mo gets really angry. Uh-huh. And anything else? Like Bart losing it. <laughs> also, you got, that's, yeah, great moment. Also, Minister getting angry at being fooled. And how about Lust. Man, really putting me on the spot here. I don't remember any sexy parts of this episode. At the very beginning when... Oh, when we used to make out to this hymn. Yeah, all right. That's good. So you're two for three. And how about gluttony? Uh, I mean, oh, Uncle Mo's family feedback. It's just all just so so much. The flash, flash fryer and everything. The flash fryer is the one I definitely wanted you to mention. That's on here, and a couple other things, and sloth. Sloth. Uh, I just like I don't know. Is there like a scene where Bart's all like tired or something? Well, you could say uh, the beginning when they're you know talking about souls and slacking off instead of cleaning the oven. And uh, I am. But that's kind of half. You know, that's not yeah, really a full you know sloth moment. I'm gonna be real with this list. How about envy? I mean, Bart envies everyone that doesn't have a, that has a soul, and he doesn't, you know. Oh, that's true. Any other moments? You're correct. Bart does envy all the other kids. The other two things we have are Mo envies the profits of family restaurants, and Lisa wishes she has five dollars. Pride. Bart thinking that he can just sell his soul. He's got too much pride. Yeah, that's right, and. You know, for bonus, we'd say snake is seen with a trophy girlfriend. Also a combination of pride and lust. Huh. All right. Well, that was fun. I think you got most of them. Uh, we'll see what your final score is. Uh, you got a, a 4.20 oh, uh, on, the, wow. on the sync quiz. Wow. Well, we did it, guys. We, we made it through another episode. All right. Thank you guys by our side. Thank you for coming along for the journey. Uh, no, thank you. Thank you. No, hey, Nick. Thank you, man. Yeah, thank you, dude. All right. We're going to get into some listener email real quick. As always, if you want to send in a suggestion for an episode, give us any corrections, things we missed, or have a question for us, our email address is headygreenterrace at gmail.com. Today's email that I'm going to read comes from Derek Derbeckis out of Big Rock, Arkansas. He says, hey, Hedda Green Terrace, I've got a question for you. If there was a live action adaptation of The Simpsons, who would you cast? Thanks. Uh, Paul Giamatti as Homer. Oh, damn it. That's really good. And probably who is the girl that played uh, Tanya in I, Tanya? And I think she was also in Suicide Squad, maybe? Mm-hmm. Margot Robbie? Yeah, she she would be March. Uh, yeah? Mm, okay, I could and, see it. Um, no, 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 no. I hate this casting, but I feel like they would just put Pete Davidson as Bart. <laughs> <laughs> No, fuck that, dude. John Leguizamo. Yeah. <laughs> um, Never mind that he's 60 years old. Yeah, I don't really know that many child actors. Yeah. You know, I know who's someone who looks young. Like, who would they get? Like, Tom like, Holland, you know? Uh, yeah, I don't I don't know the child actors of Timothy today. Chalamet. Like, I, uh, you know, yeah, I don't I know. Don't, yeah, I, I can't name a child actor. It would probably be the cast of Stranger Things. Right. Yeah, Which like, I don't want to say. Yeah, I don't want to say that either. And but yeah, fucking Stranger Things. Mm, how about any side I, characters? I do like Stranger Things. I think it's really fun. You know, we were ta- I was talking about Steven Spielberg earlier, mm-hmm. and um, I think it's a nice nod to him. Like that, st- he like created that. You know, like that ET Close Encounters. Like 
just you know mm-hmm. i feel like you know we'd get a john cena as duff man yeah uh-huh i would play auto man of course yeah. i would play ned flanders yeah who would play lisa i would say what's her name from arrested development what was her name again hmm. the girl went not wednesday that's the added family what was her name wasn't it like the day of the week or something i don't know it's been maybe so maybe that was her name yeah Oh, yeah, maybe. I would maybe cast maybe cast maybe as Lisa, but she might be too old now. Yeah, uh, is that Aaliyah Shawkat on who is now on Search Party? I don't know. I don't know. We got some great ideas. Yeah, not that he should ever make that. Do you have a different Homer than Paul Giamatti? I'm thinking like Tom Cruise, like <laughs> in Tropic Thunder when he's right, in the right, fat right, suit right. and uh-huh. bald. Yeah, that would be wild. Just yeah. the level of commitment he'd bring. Interesting. Well. It will be really interesting if that movie does come out, wouldn't it, folks? Yeah, if that ever happens. All right, Nick, you got an email for us? Yeah, so here I got one um, very forward. Just, dear Nick and Justin, we are depending on you. Please end this debate once and for all. Does pineapple belong on pizza? Art Fark from the town of Goat Balls, Montana. Oh, wow. They have pizza out in Montana now? <laughs> yeah, I guess so, man. I can't, man, dude, a Hawaiian pizza in Montana, that's just got to blow your mind. Dude. Yeah, right? I mean... Italy plus Hawaii. Yeah, I mean, uh, what do you think, Justin? I'm going to say yes. I think pineapple belongs on pizza. And right. maybe not your pizza, but it does. It's a perfectly great pizza topping. Personally, I love a slice with like a, a pineapple and maybe a jalapeno or maybe a banana pepper. A little sweet, a little spicy. It's mm-hmm. perfect. Yeah, like honey on pizza is really good. I do like a nice, sweet, and savory Italian food all the time, baby. (laughs) (laughs) You know, um, I think that if you have harsh feelings towards pineapple on pizza, then I hope that you are getting help for the pain that you're feeling. If you are one of these people who are like, pineapple doesn't belong on pizza, I strong feely. (laughs) I strong feely about this. About to pop a vein. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, hey man, you just got to realize what's right for you isn't right for everybody. You know, and it's okay for other people to like things you don't like. And it's okay for you to like things other people don't like. Yeah. You know, that's fascism. You know, just saying pineapples don't belong on pizza. To yuck someone's yum. You know, that was like my... That was like one of the first lessons I learned from my parents. Don't mm-hmm. point at someone's food and say gross or, or don't point at people. Yeah. And don't let talk about people, the things they do and let people enjoy them and live their lives. Life's hard it's enough. It's so funny how that's like the first thing that I learned when I was five years old. And we have so many grown ass adults yeah. doing that now. Just be, being so rude and pointing fingers and saying, ew, look at you i say also just don't be a critic you know these people are just talking shit all the time oh this sucks i hated this i was like yeah no wonder you're miserable because you're just pointing out how much you don't like things and what everyone else is doing wrong and like we were saying earlier just focus on what you enjoy about life what you have to appreciate what you have going for you and also Mm -hmm. there's something to be said about minding your own business stay in your lane if we focused on all the pain in the world all the time we wouldn't be able to get anything done but right now here we are where in a nice place where we're listening to this podcast between between two friends and you you're our friend too yeah well actually our podcast is called heady green terrace not between two friends (laughs) um but as i mentioned earlier in the episode just find that happy place and just go there and that let let your world start there and don't let it start from the outside in inside out just keep yeah. keep growing your your world there mm-hmm. find your happiness and find that spark yeah grow that energy you know instead of the reacting so much to everything to pineapple on pizza i'm sorry that's just always gonna be a yeah. thing yeah. and we're never gonna get rid of it and until it's all over so we might as well just go out and enjoy every every fucking minute yeah appreciate it while you got it and you know what just keep trying to radiate that uh positivity and we can look back on these moments when maybe we've lost our soul and we've lost ourselves and we can laugh about them and and we can you know think about how how funny it was that we really just like wow i just really wasn't myself and i really lost myself and now i can just laugh about it and move on and 
mm-hmm. be myself. You know? Yeah. Having a sense of humor is like having a sense of humility. Being able to laugh at yourself doesn't mean you beat yourself up or beat you down or like get into that negative talking shit about yourself. Oh, I'm so stupid. Like you, you, you can still make fun of yourself without saying that. Yeah, yeah, totally. It, it is. We have to be careful because we live in a society of memes now that can be very sarcastic and self-deprecating and can be funny in the moment. And then a lot of the times I'll be like, uh, this may be not just yeah. what I need at the forefront of my thoughts. Yeah. And that's why we keep coming back to this. And uh, that's why we love the show, the Simpsons. And we hope uh, to share some of that. And, you know, again, so many of the other shows on TV are just going to be more cynical or snarky or, you know, I think about your information diet, like, all right, the things you consume, are going to have an impact on your thoughts and your subconsciousness, the way you think and the way you view the world. Mm-hmm. And you can engage with something and kind of know it's bad, but you can still enjoy it. But I'm like, it's still getting in your brain and you're hearing it and it's, it's rattling around in there and affecting. It. So it's like, all right. Yeah. We yeah, come we to the show it. cause we know overall it's that heart and it brings us back to it. And that's why we love it. Yeah. Love this show. We love you guys. Whoever's and- listening. We love you. Thanks for listening. Yeah, and if you want to leave us a rating, go on iTunes. Yeah. If you want yeah. to leave us a rating, you can on iTunes. We're at Hetty Green Terrace on Instagram and at Hetty Green Pod on Twitter. Yeah, and it's just, you know, it's it's just been real, you know. It's been super real. And uh, l- let's just say I'm Nick Salgo. And I'm Justin Thompson. And we'll see you next time, folks. Dope. <laughs>